0: This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Now it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at five fifteen, where we host the sports podcasters from the Straits Times. I'm Rachel Kelly, standing in for Bernard Lim, and I have with me sports correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz and sports re- sports reporter Kimberly Quek. Hi, guys. Hi, yes. We begin with some sad news today. 27th of April we learned that Annabel Pennyfather, a trailblazer for women in Singapore sport and prominent ad- sports administrator died. She was 72. Sazali, you worked with Annabelle a number of times over the years. What are some of your fondest memories of her?
1: Yes, it was you know, really saddening news to learn of uh, this morning, a huge shock as well. Uh, you know, I spoke to her in December for a new story I was working on and she was as cheery and chatty as always. Um, and, you know, this morning, after I learned of her passing, I also learned that she had attended a public sports event just last month. Mm. Uh, you know, so she was still very much, you know, active in, in, in the sports scene and, and the news caught a number of people by surprise this morning. Yeah, as far as my memories are of her, you know, I remember going abroad um, and covering the 2013 Sea Games in Myanmar where she was the chef de mission of the Singapore contingent. And, you know, uh, one... And good I have is that you know at the, at the team Singapore wrap up at the end of the games she was so encouraged by our athletes uh, performances despite them. Posting a significant lower medal tally, and mm. and she was so positive about it, and she was so cheery that my colleague David Lee actually likened her to Paula Abdul from American Idol. Wow, you know, being being like such a cheerleader. So I, I eventually used the comparison in my report. And before I did, I, I asked her what she felt about it, and she gamely responded. You know, she liked Paula Abdul more than J Lo, who literally placed <laughs> her on American Idol. So so she was she was always uh you know friendly and game and mm. approachable and. And, you know, we would have, um, you know, later we have a lot of nice conversations at at various sporting events as well over the years. So, certainly really, really sad news.
0: And personality aside, can you tell us what made her so widely admired within the sporting fraternity?
1: Yeah, I mean, her accomplishments in sport, I think, speak for themselves. I think Mm -hmm. all you have to do is type her name in on Google and and all the articles, you know, reporting her passing, you know, have a wealth of information, you know, of all the things she's done at the NSA level with hockey or, or in the National Olympic Council, um, or even internationally, uh, you know, in in various roles that she held, she was also a role model for women in general because you know she she rose to the top in a in a male-dominated sports scene. And the remarkable thing I know I have to go back to it, is that she did so well, being so approachable, you know, and and warm to pretty much everyone she came across. I you know I mentioned in our last phone call in December, it was it was not a short one. I think it was over half an hour, and and wow, and this okay. was usually the case with her because she was you know she always made time for people, and and you know she she did she she you know she really was really patient and, and judging by all the comments I've seen on Facebook you know, from various people in the local sports fraternity, I think uh, you know, this, this really extended to everyone. So, so she certainly is really missed.
0: A very open and warm person. Well, Annabelle's passing certainly is a big loss for Singapore sport and we send our deepest condolences to her family. Now, Sazali, in other news, Singapore-based organisation One Championship introduced its official rankings for the first time. Can you tell us more?
1: The rankings reflect the top five contenders in each weight division, Um and uh you know they 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 encompass uh, mixed martial arts as well as muay thai and kickboxing, which um are also presented in in one. So the, the weight classes that have rankings are the strawweight, flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight, and lightweight categories. An 18-person panel of sports media and industry experts. You know, which includes some former UFC fighters who are now signed to one as, as, as executives mm-hmm. in Misha Tate and uh, Rich Franklin. will determine on any movement on the tables after each one event based on criteria such as wins and losses, quality of opponents. We, we They'll do it by voting and I'm actually on the panel myself, you know, given the fact that I've covered uh, MMA for a number of years now I see. For, for the Straits Times. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited and looking forward to playing my part one. One resumes its normal operations after the coronavirus uh, issues outside.
0: So, non-biased opinion then, Sazali. Is this this a good move for the (laughs) organisation? Why are they doing this now?
1: Yeah, well, I spoke to to Chatri, the CEO, and and he said, you know, the timing just felt good. And he said he had always wanted to introduce Fisher Rankings at some point. And like I said, I think it's a uh, long overdue. I think one was formed in 2011, and while it has grown and expanded its reach over the years, you know, one of the things critics have picked on and. and uh, I think you won't say a bias considering I'm saying what the critics are saying mm-hmm. is that sometimes fighters are so-called promoted, you know, by the organisation. This is what they say uh, or get title opportunities before they have uh, earned it or paid their dues. So I think with this ranking system finally in, there's, there's greater clarity on how one, uh, you know, decides to grant title opportunities or fights to its uh, athletes. Um, and you also help the casual fans to understand the significance of uh, fights between top contenders, like, you know, in the top five, for example.
0: Okay, have we got any Singaporeans that are ranked? And what's on the horizon for them?
1: Yeah, so there's one Singapore-born athlete among those ranked, and and that's Tiffany Teo, who is the number one contender for the women's uh, strawweight title. Uh, That title is currently held by Xiong Jingnan of China. Uh, Tiffany previously said she was keen to face Xiong in Singapore on a show that Uh, One has scheduled for July, but when I spoke to her earlier today, she said there have been no offers for the fight to take place and that she's uh, still happy to bide her time and consider other fights. Uh, Then, of course, there's um, Angela Lee and uh, Christian The siblings who are both champions uh, in their own uh, respective divisions, they are Canada-born and reside in Hawaii. But they spent some early years in Singapore, their dad is Singaporean and they still have relatives here and they fight under the Singapore flag. So it's not really clear what's ahead of them at the moment, but Christian is the top contender for the featherweight division, while Angela is number three in strawweight. So it's a possibility that in the next 12 or 18 months, they might try and, you know, win a second title.
0: Now, still on the topic of MMA, the UFC recently announced that it's resuming business with three confirmed dates starting from May the 9th. Do you think this is too soon, Sazali?
1: You know, Dana White, um, you know, has been very aggressive in, in doing all he can to make sure his uh, events go on. You know, he's wanted to um, hold an event, some indigenous property. He, he claims he has a fight island. And, you know, recently he said he has, quote, an overabundance of safety measures in place to make sure the UFC 249 events uh, goes on without a hitch, um, and that everyone working on the show will be safe. Well, as a fan, I am thrilled. I get to finally see some sporting action in general, uh, and some potentially very entertaining matchups. It still feels like it's a bit too soon, mm-hmm. uh, especially when 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 all the other major sports leagues and franchises are going the other direction. You know, some are scrapping seasons. The entire season so, you know just a little bit more to go the situation in the united states still pretty precarious in a number of states i think florida where the next three ufc events will be held in the next couple of weeks there are 30,000 confirmed cases and over a thousand deaths i think maybe it would have been wiser to wait a little longer before before pulling the trigger
0: so maybe the timeline is just fighting talk for now
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Now if you like the Straits Times game of two halves, you can listen live on Money FM eighty nine point three from five five fifteen every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag game of two halves on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now back to the second half of our conversation with our Straits Times sports podcasters. The coronavirus pandemic has halted major sports and emptied arenas all over the world. But sports fans have found an alternative esports. As many countries place their citizens on lockdown, many have jumped on the esports bandwagon, whether as a participant or spectator. Now, you wrote a feature on the rise of esports in the last couple of months. How big exactly has the boom been? membership has skyrocketed over the last few months one of the world's biggest streaming platforms
2: for gamers twitch estimated to have grown its audience by about 31 in march alone and video game digital distribution service steam hit an all-time record of concurrent users early in early april with over 24 million users on at once and also i think we've seen a an increase in the number of people people who are playing video games as well some games like counter strike dota 2 and pubg have seen about 1 million players online at once you know in, in the last few months and that has been pretty significant
0: so what's the big appeal of
2: esports so I think the unique feature of esports is the level of, of engagement it allows between the players and the audience. And this offers a sense of community where one can interact with their favorite players. And also, I think one of the, I mean, the reason why people watch esports is really not that different from why people watch traditional sports.
0: There's that element of competition and it's exciting to watch as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Can we just take a step back? So, I mean, for these esports, it's not just gamers playing against themselves. You actually see perhaps professional footballers playing with each other as well. Is that correct? And then spectators are able to to watch as they would, I guess, a a, a regular football match. Except they're look, they're watching their favorite footballers play online. Is that correct? Is that some of the cases that we've seen?
2: Yeah, that has happened because of the coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of traditional sports teams and leagues have turned to esports because now there are no live or very few live sports events yeah and and so this has given people an opportunity to still see their favorite
0: you know traditional sports athletes in action but just on a different platform with popcorn and in the comfort of your own home so do you think there's still room for esports to grow internationally or locally or is this just a one-time boom as a result of people being in isolation
2: yeah, no, there definitely is still room for esports to grow. I think we have to remember that esports had been gaining significant momentum over the last few years in terms of both viewers and investments. And there were projections that the global esports revenues would grow to US $1.1 billion this year, which is a 15.7% growth Yeah, from last year. So yeah, I mean definitely the lack of traditional sports has helped to bolster this growth. But of course, you know, they would have um the esports industry would have to ensure that they they continue pushing out good quality content, that the viewers are still engaged. Yeah, you know, the Yeah,
0: e-sports. and I was just going to ask you as well, you know, what are some of the challenges for growth for esports?
2: Yeah, yeah so I would speak about this locally, in a local context. Mm-hmm. I think one problem that the esports industry here faces is that is the public perception of esports because people tend to be a bit dismissive of competitive gaming you know there's that misconception that esports athletes are gaming addicts who spend most of their time in front of the computer but this is really not the case uh, because esports athletes often follow training programs which require them to have a strict diet and, you know, go to the gym to work out before competition.
0: Even for esports players, well, that's that's really interesting. Well, thanks for that, Kimberly. And there goes the final whistle on our sports discussion of the week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Glad to have you both on the show. Thank you, Sazali and Kim. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times.